Hey everyone, welcome to episode 121 of 15 with Andy and Randy. We are back with one final installment of Ask Professor Andy, answering <laughs> great questions as we wrap up this year's FHC University's Guide to Great Questions from our young adults here at the Hospital Church. And for those of you who are here local to the Orlando area, yesterday evening, almost, almost felt a little bit like fall here yeah, in Florida. You are dreaming. <laughs> Good times are right around the corner. We were in Tampa last night. We got to ride the little trolley mm. through downtown. And what a fabulous breeze while we ate dinner out on in Ybor City. Yeah, you got to remember the temperature yesterday was like 90 still, though, okay? <laughs> well, it was like 85 or okay. 80 degrees at, at 830, so it did <laughs> felt pretty good. So before we begin, last week we looked closer at the uniqueness of the Adventist denomination and even closer at whether it is important that it be different. We decided that in our denomination, we hope that the marks of our uniqueness will be two. First, that we seek to exalt the Lord of the Church— not the church, and second, that we will be known by the supreme mark of the life of Jesus in us, and that is love. By this will all people know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Gosh, if we could just get that one right all the time, or even (laughs) more often than not, how good would that be? So please do not miss last week's message or podcast, because when you put those both together, I felt like we really touched on some unique points that... Maybe you've heard before, but maybe not in the same way, might spark a little extra conversation in you. Of course, if you've missed anything, you can find everything in the Hospital Church mobile app. And that's at hospitalchurch.org slash F-H-C-A-P-P. On to this week, great question. This is number six, I think. Yeah, I think so. Six or seven. How important is it to God that we behave? (laughs) (laughs) Every week... I, I, you know, I should be looking ahead and checking out the questions, but out of every week, out of all the questions that have been asked in this series, we may have hit the question this week. And I think that every week, but I really feel like this week, this might be the one because if we are looking for the intricately easy and fantastically frustrating question that has, does, and will continue to make the weary Christian dragging its heavy load farther and longer than need be, this is the one. This is the Swiss army knife of Christian dilemma questions. The question is, how important is it to God that we behave? Sounds innocent enough? Of course God wants us to behave. That goes without saying. Well, that's going to do it for this week. Thanks for joining us. Check back next week. We answered it. That was good. That was good. We were with some deep insight. It almost feels that easy because, well, yeah, God wants us to behave. He wouldn't have given us outlines, guidelines, sure. rules. It says right? it pretty clearly in some verses there. there yeah. yeah, there's a couple at least. I mean, I, I, you know, everyone always says, well, the, the Bible talks about prayer this many times. Do you know how many times it says we should be? I don't know. It's, probably, it's a bunch. Probably too many to count. But the root cause behind this question is fear, mm-hmm. essentially. This question is asked in many different ways, but always at the core of it, it's asking is the fear that we aren't good enough and that we somehow need to make up for not being good enough. Right. And that somehow that, that God is just like a a bad parent, just looking for a reason to put us on restriction. Yeah, he's just looking for a reason to just smack us down. So for some, they look at this question and they're going to say, are you still seriously worried about that? Right? And we immediately delve into the age-old debate on grace versus works and the rabbit hole hijinks continue <laughs> all the way down to the bottom. But is the danger equal on both sides of your view of this question? I mean, if you take it too lightly and say, well... Pfft, yeah, God wants us to behave. I think that's obvious. Or if you go on the other side and say, well, we try, we know we can't, so why why bother trying? Yeah, yeah. 
God's not against effort. He, there's just no merit in it. Ooh, effort versus merit. Right. So it's okay for us to, to put effort into behaving. God didn't set up any of his laws or his rules or his suggestions for our lives because he wants to make us miserable. Right, right. I mean, that's, some, that's sometimes how we think. Well, like, okay, God just put <laughs> all true. these downers on us so that we can't have any fun. And mm-hmm. that's not it at all. He, he wants our lives to be full of joy and peace and generosity and, and excitement and spontaneity and all the great things, adventure. And so when we start thinking, oh, my lands, I got to behave, we think of it as somehow decreasing our joy. And in actuality, Whatever God has said we should be doing is for our benefit, and it's not going to rob us of joy. It's a, yeah. it's, a mis, it's a misunderstanding. Well, then that sort of begs the question, if we're feeling like, oh my gosh, I got to do this too, and I got to behave, this seems like a downer, is that something that a healthy Christian that's spending time in the Word and that's praying, is that, some, is that a feeling that you still get? Because I feel like that's what puts the weight on the back when people go, man, I thought I was doing pretty good, and now, man, I'm way off. Right. I think it happens at every stage of Christian life. The, the Apostle Paul, the people will argue this is, is this pre-conversion, post-conversion, and yeah. it's pretty evident, I think, in, in Romans where he writes it, that it's about who he is then. You know, all the, the good that I want to do, I don't do. The evil I don't want to do, that's what I end up doing. Oh, help me, I'm a wretched man. I think that happens to us in all ebbs and flows throughout our Christian walk. It's not something that just is at one period or another, I believe. It just continues on no matter kind of yeah. where we are. So you shouldn't beat yourself up over it. If you're having those feelings and you're going through a down spot, right. it doesn't mean that you don't love God or that you haven't tried or that you're not doing the best of your current ability. But it's really important that no matter how hard I try, no matter the best of my ability, my performance is always short of gaining me any merit. <laughs> I mean, I, it's a little frustrating. It's a little bit like going to a class in college to really learn the subject versus trying to earn a grade. Yeah. yeah. And so a great illustration. When I was in college, I grew up in a family that was very nature-oriented. We loved looking at wildflowers. And so I loved the idea of botany. And so in college, I needed another credit in biology, so I took botany for the fun of it. I mean, I was looking forward to this. Everybody else in the class were pre-med students who were like, we're in botany, <laughs> you know, and did not want to be there. There was They were like, why do we have to study flowers and plants to be a doctor? And, and, but, they, but they needed an A as well. And so they were frustrated by it, where I was just there for the joy of learning it. Yeah, My joy of learning it, however, might translate into an A, or it might not. True. And so it's, it's more likely it would because I loved it than if I didn't love it. But still, I could skip class or not study for a test and, and bomb something. And that would look like a bad return on investment at that point. <laughs> uh, so, but, so my effort doesn't necessarily merit me anything. Right. Okay. And we're not, that's so contrary to our culture, so yep. contrary to our whole lives. You work hard, pay you well, you get rewarded by that. Right. And you put your effort in, you get the reward out. And then we come to spiritual stuff, and we still need to put effort in, but the reward's are already ours, which it really messes up the equation. It really does cause a different frame of mind because essentially we're working and we're caring and we're doing those things because we've got the grade. Right. It's right. an outpouring of, man, you've done this for me, so why else would I want to be different? Well, it's like the football team coming out on the field and the score is already final. 
but now they still got three quarters to play. So, yeah. so, so you can still play, and you can I mean, you can really play well, or you can really play sloppily. You know, your the score is the score. Doesn't fit in our culture. Doesn't fit in our mindset. Doesn't. It's hard, it's hard to find a model for it. Yeah, um, I think that's why people struggle so hard. But I thought you explained this dilemma probably as succinctly and plainly as I've heard it. And you said, and I'm going to paraphrase here, and I'm going to combine a few thoughts together. You said, God is aware of the gap, the distance between his ideal for us and our performance. He won't discount his standard, but he knows he can try anything and everything we can think of trying harder to behave, and it won't shrink the gap. But God's not looking for some kind of repayment. It is a gift, not a bribe, to get us to behave. And it is a (laughs) gift, not a bribe, to get us to behave. Now, the bribe part, a gift I've heard. Yeah. And people go, oh, it's a gift. Yeah. You just have to say yes to the gift. Yeah, and the bribe like, was new for me too. <laughs> <laughs> but the bribe really kind of spins you on your axis if you've heard this spiel before. Mm-hmm. Because I think gift is one of those words that just gets overused, John right. 3.16, right. and it's just like, oh, the, it's a gift, yeah. it's a gift, and yeah, yeah we get gifts. Out of and, works, you can't boast, or Ephesians, it's yeah. a gift of God. But the bribe part was like, it really talks to intention. A gift anyone can give happily mm-hmm. or unhappily. But this says, this is happily because I'm not trying to bribe you. I don't want you that way. I want you because I have already given it to you. Well, God's whole kingdom from eternity past through creation and to all the way to today is an economy based on love, self-sacrificing love. Among the Trinity, creating human beings, it's, it's all about giving love and God wants our service of love. That's what he wants. He wants yeah. us to be in this love relationship, and you can't make that happen. You can't demand, okay, now love me. It's like, <laughs> yeah. uh, that's not going to work. So it, it it has to be one. It has to be nurtured and all these kinds of things. And so it's, it's yeah, it's a strange model. That perfect love only works one way mm-hmm. because he still realizes right. that we can't love him any better than we love our kids, we right. love our spouse. Right. Probably, and, and we and we only love because he first loves us. We we think, oh, I love this person. It's like, yeah, you love that person because <laughs> God has put His love into your life, even if you don't know it. Right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, and for those that look at this question and see nothing but struggle and disappointment, just not able to put the pieces together in a way that makes this any kind of journey that you really want to go on. Because I think all all of us have been there, some longer than others. How do we encourage them to realize, in your words, from the message, that the weight of responsibility and ability stays with God? This sounds great, but... uh, Yeah, we just think more highly of ourselves than we ought. Uh, (laughs) Paul says, don't do that, don't do (laughs) that. Don't do that. We think of ourselves as having abilities and that we can sort of pull ourselves up with our bootstraps and we can perform to a level that will merit something. Yeah. And it's like, no, 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 no. That's already been a gift. Yeah. And the ability for our salvation and the responsibility for our salvation all lie with God. Yeah. And we just keep taking it away from him, trying to prove that we can do it. So what if we never get over this doubt? I mean, we have these people that are in the middle of the struggle right now. They don't see the end. They don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, except assuming that it's probably a train headed their way. Because <laughs> we are human after all, and admittedly broken, in need of salvation. So isn't a little fear slash uncertainty a good guide to keep us on the straight and narrow? Because you pointed out that even Paul had to admit, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep doing. And it sounds awfully yeah, yeah. familiar. I, I know, but I don't think I don't think the fear as in 
Uh, scripture says perfect love casts out all fear. Mm. And, and so living, a, living the Christian life with a, in a fear-based way yeah. is, is really a denial of God's love for us. He's saying, I love you, you're mine, I've got it all worked out. And then we're like, no, no, I can't be so <laughs> sure. You know, yeah. And we really just need to trust his word more versus our, our word. It might be the m- most important time that we really take faith to the next level and just say, I have no idea how to contemplate, how to understand, even put into words mm. your perfect love, which is one way. Right. But I'm going to have to in this dark place, have to assume that what you say is true. I got to count on the Bible stories and prophecy coming to and all those things. And I have to say that you do this covenant relationship and I have to just do this. Otherwise I can't make it through. We tend to want to figure out, um, oh my, my mind just went totally blank. You were saying? (laughs) (laughs) Well, why doesn't Galatians 2 inspire more confidence in us that worrying about our behavior isn't going to help any more than us trying? Yeah, it, and that's, that's the thing. When we have these moments of fear, that's what I was going to say. When we have these moments of fear, these moments of, of I'll never be good enough yeah. moments, if we're a follower of Christ, we need to go to Scripture with those. And what does Scripture say about that? Jesus yeah. says, come in me, all you who are labor. You're, you're burned out, worn out on religion. Come with me, take a rest. I'll teach you how to really rest. And I'll never put anything ill-fitting or heavy on you. You know, I mean, my, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And so if, if religion is heavy and burdensome to us, there's there's something in our religion that needs to be reevaluated because yeah. Jesus says what He puts on us is an easy yoke and a light burden, and so we have to for, sort of de- define that, and figure that out. He wants us to walk in air. Our faith should be like wind in the sails to keep our boats going. I mean, it's 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 yeah. just it's what moves us forward. So I would encourage you to read the whole chapter, <laughs> and you can do it in your version of choice first. Bible, whole chapter of Galatians? Galatians one, 2. 2, yes. And then read it in your version of choice. Then also take a peek at the message. If you don't mm-hmm. happen to have the actual physical copy, go to Bible.com yeah. and you can find it. It is the most redundantly beautiful same conclusion that can be said <laughs> over and over in different ways yeah. about what we just talked about. Sure. He, he talks about it from his angle, from others, and it keeps coming back to the same theme over and over again. So just take... Maybe your next time you're sitting down with your Bible, <laughs> it takes about, I don't know, I yeah, think not long. It does, it's not a long chapter. And about verse 15, 16, where I think we started yeah. this week is where this really is pertinent. But the little backstory in the first couple isn't bad. But sit down with the whole chapter, and I found that I really felt comforted mm. after reading that, and I read it through twice. That's great. And I like the New Living Translation right. myself, Me and too. I also like the message to get a little different perspective. And I really felt like that's something we could do this week to just let this one settle a little bit and listen to Paul because there was no one better suited to say, I get what you're yeah. saying. I've been there. That's been me. I've done the law part. I've done the sinner part. Yeah. That I do, which I don't want to do, is what I still do. <laughs> so he's he's been on both sides of the fence in perfection on both. Sure. I thought one of the I thought one of the interesting things to me in the talk that sort of shocked me when I when I wrote it, but when I was <laughs> preaching it, it's like, oh, wow. Um, that is that I think sometimes in the people that are Christians, we begin to believe that we can somehow mature out. Of needing of needing God's grace in our lives. So some will like a, like a kid growing up, they need their parent, they need their parent, they need their parent. They're free from their parent. Yeah. And we sometimes I think think about God that way that we we need Him to start the Christian walk, and then we need Him to help us you know struggle along. But at some point we'll age out of that <laughs> that need, and that's never the case. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, He's always got to be there for us. I think those happen a lot after 
you go through a dark period and mm-hmm. then you have a little bit of time when things are going really, really well and <laughs> you've learned some discipline through that dark time and you're bringing that with into the new. And then all of a sudden it just, you know, you get hit by the Mack truck again <laughs> and you're just like, whoa, I really thought I had things worked out yeah. there. <laughs> Doggone it. I'm still human. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing I found that was really interesting is the Bible is missing a mandate to try harder. Mm. Nowhere in here does it say when you're reading through Galatians or anywhere else, if you start reading through the different verses and the different books of the Bible that talk about this, nowhere is the Bible like, hey guys, I know what Paul said, but if you guys could just try a little bit harder, that'd be great. Yeah, just, no no place does no. it say that, but everywhere else it says trusting God, yeah, perfect abide in me. fear, right? <laughs> abide in me, all these things. So I'm like, and I jest a little with that, but this is salvation we're talking about mm-hmm. here. Is there anything we should be airing on the side of caution? This should be it, right? I mean, we got to have something to do with this. It seems like that's what brings us back to it, but we just have to remember that there isn't. Yeah, it, I think Scripture is pretty clear. It says God's God's problem of sin that God solved, and God benefits us with His solution. Yeah, I like it. We are already out of time, and I want you to go and watch the message. And there is a little section in there about Benjamin Zander. He was Uh-oh. a professor. A little story about his graduate students and how they were able to obtain an A in this class in advance. Go back to the message and listen to that part of the sermon because it really was powerful and another way to look at this that I think will help bolster your thoughts and really give you a little confidence. So you can go to hospitalchurch.org and uh, you will find the sermons and the archives. It'll be the last one up there. Go ahead and read that one and just listen or just go ahead and watch that and listen for that part on Benjamin Zander. I think you'll really enjoy it. This week, one of our FHC takeaways asked, this week, how will being God's A student influence how you behave? Now, see, that's why I just told you to go back, because you really need the Benjamin Zander story to tie in the takeaway from for this sure. week. And I like the thought of starting each week, each day, reminding ourselves that we're beginning from a place of privilege, and it cost us nothing but God's love. And you can review all the FHE takeaways now, something new in the FHC mobile app. When you click on the This Week banner on the FHC tab, you will find them attached to the message that they belong to. So last week, if you go to the app right now, you can go and check out each one of the FHC takeaways if you miss them, and they'll be there now ongoing every week. That was a suggestion from our worship survey, which you can still take if you'd like. (laughs) So final thoughts from Andy's message. So how important is it to God that we behave So important that he behaved perfectly in Jesus Christ, and he credits that perfect behavior to our account. And by it, we are brought into communion with God himself. And, you know, if there's one thing you want to do this week, too, that you might just need a little quiet time, a little reflective time. When you finish the message, there's a great music set at the end of the message and the communion. So maybe, obviously, you wouldn't have been there in person (laughs) if you haven't seen it already, but the music was very worshipful, and it it was an amazing experience. And finally, a wise woman once told me that when someone gives you a gift, you accept it, and you do it with grace. You smile and say thank you. Luckily for us, this gift is free and forever. Yeah. All right, upcoming this week, begin a new series. What are we beginning? It's called Church. The Church. The Church, and this week is Founded in Love. Oh, um, we're, we're back to the L word. Well, it's really interesting. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> but it's really interesting that um, ecclesiology, uh, okay. it, the, the, the doctrine of the church, is something we don't often talk about. And, no. and yet at the same time, with, within our denomination right now, it's, uh, it's a hot topic uh, of, of how ecclesiology should work and how it should function. Yep. And uh, John Stott, the 
well-known British theologian um, was asked one day, what do you think is the most neglected doctrine? And they expected a bunch of different answers. And when he said <laughs> ecclesiology, they're like, what? And, uh, and so it'll, it'll be good for us to take a look at the church, what it's supposed to be, how it comes about, what its future is uh, this month. Hmm, excellent. I'm looking forward. So that's all October? All October. Excellent. All right. Well, there you go. That's going to do it for this week. Thank you, as always, to Andy and Tom and Jeff. Continue to get better. We're looking forward to having you back. Next week, he'll be with us. Is he really? I think so. Awesome. So do join us again next week, maybe with Jeff. But either way, Wednesday and episode 122 will be in your earbuds on Wednesday morning. Thank you for listening, as always, and have a great week.